0: Hello and welcome back to the O3C podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my special guest Zelda fanatic host, Kasper
1: Myrowitz. Tingle Tingle, Kulu Limpa. These are the magic words that Tingle created himself. Don't steal them. What's your fun
0: So welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed our first episode in our spoiler special sub-series for Tears of the Kingdom, where we talked... I mean, we just talked about the story. I mean, you know, not even... I mean, a bit of the story.
1: A bit of the story. <laughs> of the story.
0: Yeah. We talked about the broad strokes. We went. We picked our way through the, the memories uh, that you get in the game and gave our thoughts on, I mean, quite possibly the greatest story ever told. But the main story isn't the only thing that's uh, notable to talk about because uh, this Hyrule, which is several years on from the totally ruined... Breath of the Wild Hyrule is a land that has rebuilt, uh, continues to rebuild, and it's absolutely fascinating to see how certain regions and towns and characters have evolved in their time away from them since Breath of the Wild. It's certainly a more alive place to exist in these days, and Nintendo have made sure to like pepper the game with some just incredibly well-written and engaging NPCs and supporting characters And the side quests you end up going on, they're just so much more developed and involving than, you know, the sort of usual fetch quests or, you know, little mini puzzle solving things. The way the dialogue's written conveys so much depth. I mean, for those people sort of knocking the idea that, oh, it's just set in the same in the same map as Breath of the Wild, therefore it's the same world. That, I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth, you know? And because the world was so well-developed, because the law was so well-defined, it really is a treat to come back to the same map so you can see all of the different ways in which everything's evolved. 100%. There's just so much. There's so much. What did you make of it all?
1: Well, I want to say something about that specifically. That critique, to me, is is, uh, not just unfair... It's ridiculous because how, (laughs) no, truly, I mean, think about how many games, especially this scope, how many times as a kid have you played a video game, right? And then the next game comes out and what you really wanted was to hang out in that world again Mm. with the same people and you wanted a continuation. Like you're like, I want to hang out with these people. I want to know what happens afterwards, Mm. you know? And it's weird because I feel like that's a very common desire for most people, Mm but it's very rarely done by developers in video games. Mm. I think part of why it's rarely done is that it's very difficult to do right, as we've seen with movies and books, like sequels are, you know, minefield. But I think it's preposterous. I mean, I've, you know, spent, since 2017, I've played Breath of the Wild on and off, every year a little bit at least, for, you know, dozens if not more hours. And every time, my thought is, I really want to hang out in this world after it's resolved. Yeah, I want to know what they've done. I want to know how Hatino village is going on. I want to know what Cockerico is doing. I want to know what yeah. these people have done since. Yeah. So to me, setting it, you know, six seven years after the fact, is perfect because it's exactly what I want to know. I want to know are they rebuilding? What's the mood? And the mood is fantastic because it's gone from. Doom and gloom. What people forget is when Link wakes up in Breath of the Wild, it's been a hundred years of calamity. Yeah. For these people. Older people, some are over a hundred, like, you know, Impa, I don't know how, but whatever. <laughs> and and Robbie and Pura and all that stuff. But you know, most people, that's all they've known. Yeah. They've they've been born in a world that is shattered, that is holding on by a thread, being Zelda holding you know, yeah. Ganon at bay from destroying the world completely. And so they've grown up in a world that's been shattered. They have no fighting spirit. You see that in Breath of the Wild, yeah. like Link is the only one who does a couple of other people, but the fighting spirit's gone. Most of these people are, they have fear. They're, they're not building, they're surviving. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, what's brilliant. Like you are like, at the end of the game, I'm like, I want to see these people build. I want to see these people filled with hope. You know, mm. and that's exactly what Tears of the Kingdom does. Yeah, it's exactly that, and they're faced with another calamity, but this time they have hope. Yeah, so it's completely different. Yeah, it w- goes from a hopeless world that is still, you know, Breath of the Wild is still filled with positivity and and people who are living their lives, but they're not fighters. They're not. They don't have that spirit. Mm. They're not builders. They're not fighters. Tears of the Kingdom is filled with people who have hope they know they can do it they know that it's 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 surmountable they know there's yeah. a different possibility out there
0: the fact that you see all of these different towns in a more evolved state You see things, even things like in Hateno Village, where they've got like a mayoral election going on. You know, Zelda's helped build a school. You know, it's it's, it's a sign that sort of there's a society that's getting back to some sort of sense of normality. You know, you look at what's happening over in Tarrytown. Tarrytown is obviously a town on the grow. And that's continued. That's continued to grow. Hudson's, what is he? He's running for president of something he's expanding he, he might be a,
1: a bit of a problem if we keep <laughs> going down this timeline <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think he's, he's but, a little bit of a there will be blood daniel yes blame you. Like yeah character. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah the ambition greed is, is maybe a bit much to, to quickly jump back to the school part mm. uh, what's even more amazing about that school is it's packed with kids who are you know maybe oldest one is like i don't know eight yeah they don't know what calamity is. Yeah. They don't have that. And that's part of the optimism thing. It's like mm. these kids have not grown up in a world that was destroyed. I mean, now now suddenly there's a threat, but not in Hatino. <laughs> but but yeah. they don't know that. They they grew up in a world that was rebuilding. You know, yeah. it was a, a world free of threat.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that really helps with all of that stuff is how much more sophisticated the the dialogue is in the game between the characters, and not just how well it's written, but in how well it actually works in terms of how the dialogue is receptive to what you've been doing and what's going on, yeah. and it changes accordingly. And that's and I, you know and that's stuff that has been obviously painstakingly programmed and written. It's not yeah you know this isn't some sort of AI generated thing because there's such wonderful little touches and little turns of phrase and stuff that and little reactions that you get from certain characters, because you've done things in a in a certain order. And it's all of those just little things that make this world feel real, that make it feel lived mm-hmm. in, like I said, that make it feel reactive, it makes you feel like you've got a place in it. And that sort of stuff, you can't just copy and paste into a Word document and chuck it out as a sequel. That's stuff that no. takes years to consider and to write and to program to get feeling like that?
1: It's exactly that. It's because they're using the same map, even though it's changed drastically, but they are using, you know, a lot of the same assets. Yeah. But but because of that, they are capable of spending their time on details. And details is what makes this game go from a great game to a stone-cold masterpiece. Mm -hmm. It is that everything is thought out to an unbelievable degree. It's just a staggering amount of work. Like
0: once we sort of realized how sort of more reactive the dialogue was in Tears of the Kingdom, like me and you were talking about it as we were sort of experiencing it and just how how nice it was. Since then obviously I've replayed through Breath of the Wild and it's it's absolutely fine in there. Right. But there's a fluidity that you don't get where like say if you go and talk to somebody who's going to give you a side quest but you've already actually done it in Breath of the Wild. You'll talk to the person and they'll say, uh, oh, I'm, I'm missing my horse. Mm-hmm. And then you talk to them again. Oh, oh, you found it. Whereas in Tears of the Kingdom, there'll be something that's thought out for that moment. That's framing it slightly differently
1: so that you're not just sort of going through some text boxes. Yeah. That's what happened to me with the golden horse quest, where I literally rode in on the golden horse. Yeah, and talk to Penn, who gives you the mission to find the golden horse Penn being the uh, bird from the newspaper quest he literally was about to say I think in my dialogue it was literally like so yeah, I've heard there's a a what? oh, (laughs) you've already found it like literally, you know, like stops himself from giving you that quest you know, and be like, oh, never mind you know, literally in the dialogue which is fantastic I had seen it probably a few times before but that was the first glimpse into oh, yeah, they've really done this. You know,
0: wow. Let's move on and talk about some of this stuff because the NPCs in in this world are actually developed from characters that were in Breath of the Wild. And it's not just a case of reusing assets. Yes, that's part of it. But they're taking so many small stories and giving these characters life after that. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much more story for so many more people in this world. And and so many of these stories also tie into the larger story at play, and something that they've done differently to Breath of the Wild is they've divided the side quests into two types. So you've got the traditional side quests, which are the more sort of run of the mill side quests you would expect. You know, help yeah. me out, my wife's gone missing, go and beat this monster, build a thing, yeah. cook me an egg. And to, to be fair, like most of those, have some nice writing. But there's also the new side adventures which are the more substantial side quests, which have got more of an overarching story that usually ties into what else is happening with the world and the story of the game. And they're extraordinary. They they're are. brilliant. They're, they're, some of the stories of, of those side quests, of those side adventures, are enough to carry an entire game. You know,
1: it's, uh, it's yeah, crazy. For sure. The other thing that's amazing about these side quests is that once you're done, and it's this quest completed, you can move on with your life, but a lot of times, if you go back to talk to anybody who was remotely involved in the quest, yeah, there will be additional dialogue, yeah, that is never required by the game. There's never any like, hey, uh, did you perchance talk to this guy afterwards? No, it's just there, 100% up to player agency to find it. There's no question mark. There's no side quest for it. There's no reward. The reward is. You talk to these guys, and there's a whole bunch of dialogue, a whole bunch of stuff. It's just so beautifully organic. It is. Like that one quest where the kids want to find out who this these mysterious monsters are mm. that are described with horns and all that stuff. And it, at first, it's a terrifying monster. It turns out it's these little creatures that Zelda was raising somewhere. Yeah. And you tell these kids about it, and they and they were like, oh... So we were right, and, and, and this was right, and then, and can you describe it? And they start drawing it in the sand, mm. and you know, and they're really happy about it, and they're like, oh, we can tell. Remember, this guy didn't believe us. It's, it's, it's fantastic, and, and it's 100% optional. Most people yeah. will not find that out, because they will never talk to those kids again. It's staggering, and I love that kind of thing. So let's, let's have a chat about some of our favorite side quests. First of all, the pictures for the stables.
0: That's the only thing I've got written down. <laughs>
1: But, okay, so what I want to talk about before we even delve yeah. into the actual quest is yeah. the fact that I had no idea that it was a quest yeah. for about 160 hours.
0: I remember, because you were messaging me being like, yeah. there's like 12 quests I, I haven't yeah. got and I don't know where no. they are, what on earth I don't, are exactly. they? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was
1: missing like 20 of them. And I was like, yeah. I can't have been missing 20 of them. I mean, I've, I've been everywhere. I've talked to everybody. And, of course, it's the pictures of the stables because every single stable in the game has these quests. And one of them even has two of them.
0: So these are the photography quests that are set by the stable owner. There's a blank frame in every single stable. And then they'll they'll give you a specific thing that they want a photo of. And the thing that I love about that is that you you don't need to take a good photo. You just need to go and vaguely photograph a thing. But I tell you what. (laughs) Those are some very good photos I took.
1: <laughs> I am certain that the professional photographer directed that you are. Some of them I'm pretty proud of myself. My favorite one I've done is the stable requires you to take a picture of the statue in Terrytown.
0: Oh, yes. I think yeah. I'd
1: already gotten the Korok, so there's this nice little Korok dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. But on top of that, there's this little girl who runs around the town square. And I waited just... For the moment, for her to come into frame to take it, and like she's smiling and kind of looking in my direction, and like extremely happy with it. And that's the kind of thing, it's completely optional. You could take the worst picture in the world. And the guy
0: would be like, "Yeah." I mean, I was waiting. I was waiting for the right time of day, for the right light, for the right <laughs> weather. Terrence uh, Mellie, you know, these yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but- <laughs> it's an element of the game that I forgot. I loved when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I remember when I first got the Hyrule Compendium in Tears of the Kingdom. And I sort of remembered that there's like 500 things you need to photograph. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh God, not again!" But then when you just you start just sort of get into it. Oh
1: yeah, you do.
0: You just get into it, and it's just lovely, you know. And I, I was taking it. pictures just because i've had a nice moment you know and that's just the game is so beautiful and there are so many wonderful moments that you just want to stand and look and take a picture of it you know it's crazy it's crazy how lovely the game looks when you know like we said it's running on 10 year old mobile phone technology Mm -hmm. on a 720p screen occasionally running at 15 frames per second but it looks better than so many other games it
1: does because it has an art direction uh, you know except for you know all these other games just look photorealistic it's totally boring exactly exactly there is a uh a history of, of cameras in zelda games yes it is not the first game to do this links awakening dx indeed had, yes, a, had a photographer is, i believe that is the first one i was gonna say yeah. I believe that is the first one the real uh game that started at as a uh, full-fledged, like you actually take the picture because you don't in uh, Mm. Link's Awakening. It's just automatically like, hey, you find this little space and whatever. Yeah, Is Wind Waker. Yeah. Which had not just a a photography thing. It had a photography, you had to take pictures of everything. And then there was this mad dude Mm. that was on a deserted island that you had to unlock. And he made figurines based on your pictures. Yeah. And you could collect every single thing. And then there was a room with all the figurines. Yeah. And beautiful I was obsessed with that quest it was everything and I, it, it was absolutely amazing and, you know it, and, and, and of course it's what Tears of the Kingdom is riff, is riffing on here yeah what? yeah It's fantastic. honestly
0: it, it's that it's that <laughs> it's that part of the Wind Waker why I want Wind Waker HD on the Switch so much so I can do that again
1: <laughs> yeah I, I don't blame you
0: it's ridiculous isn't it like of it, all it, the it's... things in that game that are wonderful and amazing I, I, I really want to do that <laughs>
1: Another side quest I really liked was the Treasure of the Secret Springs. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is given to you by Tulin, the um, lovely uh, sniper bird. Mm. You have to find hot springs, I I believe, guiding the hot springs to fill up a cave. That's right, yes. And it was a ton of fun to Mm. fill up this vertical pit of a cave with tons of bombable. Little things were breakable, and that would just keep filling it up with hot springs.
0: That's right, because it asks you to find the point where the three hot springs converge.
1: Correct. So you have to find the hot springs first, and then
0: you see like where the midpoint is, and then there's exactly. a cave there, which I go in. Love it's just, doing that it's on brilliant. maps is yeah.
1: finding a spot. Like, hey, you have to you know find three spots, and then the center of the spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such lovely. An Indiana Jones yeah <laughs> big little thing. You know, it's unfortunately, and this is something we will talk about later the reward was ruined by amiibo drops yeah 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 as
0: it was a the divine beast helms yeah Yeah. we can touch upon it briefly now we will come come on to it but obviously like a lot of the a lot of the side quests because there's the whole misko's treasure uh side quest series where you basically are finding all of the sort of amiibo unlock armor
1: from the uh, first game yeah
0: and it's great that it's all in the game but the trouble is, you can also unlock it with the amiibos in right. Tears of the Kingdom as well. So if you're doing like what we did, which was you do your your daily amiibo run where you line up all of your all of your Zelda amiibos and go through them to get all the bonuses, you're probably gonna end up with half of the stuff that you're gonna get rewarded for from side quests, which means that when you get the reward from a side quest that you've already got, yeah. like I mean We've said before, like, a lot of the satisfaction you get from doing anything in this game isn't the reward. No. Sometimes the reward is like five arrows and you feel great because you finished the a thing. But right. there was something about something about that, that I feel that, that the balance wasn't quite right with how they how they set that up,
1: really. Well, I think I feel like I was robbed of something.
0: And the easy way around it would just be to replace the amiibo armor pieces in the in the game, if you get it from an amiibo, just replace it in the game with like a gold rupee. That's true. Because I mean you can set you can sell the extra
1: piece for six hundred rupees. Not every one, but there are some that are tied to the story. Yeah. For instance the one we just discussed, Tulens is actually yeah. linked to the beast that was in uh, that region. Yeah. There's And there's four of those linked to the four champion Amiibos. And and that's why this one's particularly stung is it was like, Oh, this, mm. this really is like thematically, you know, it works so well because it's, it's the beast that was in yeah. this area. And, and uh, yeah, it was a little disappointing. We'll do a giant PSA at some point during one of these episodes about like, here are the safe Amiibos. Cause there are we have amiibos. We
0: have put a list together of <laughs> yeah, safe if you wanna, Amiibos. If, if you, you want to start go the game <laughs> and you still
1: want to use Amiibos for, you know, arrows or whatever, which is, you know, always nice. There are some safe amiibos, and of course, also once you find all the unlockable stuff, you can start using that amiibo.
0: I don't know if it was a side quest or a side adventure. I looked it up, and I couldn't find, I couldn't find it because I couldn't remember the name of anything, <laughs> anything in it. But it's the one where you see some some stuff just floating in the sea, and then you follow a trail of it. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's, I, I did, I think it's called a bottled cry for help. That... The Bottle cry for help, I believe, you find a bottle. Uh, with a message by a beach.
0: Yeah, see, because I missed missed the trigger of this. Ah. So I didn't find this bottle to start the quest. I just saw some stuff floating in the sea. Right. And then I was like, oh, and then I I went to sort of, what is that? And I got it and I saw some other stuff and then I got it and I ended up following this trail that went halfway around the coast into a secret little thing that ended up Mm -hmm. finding a
1: shrine or something. Uh, Yeah, and again, this speaks to, you found it differently. So it speaks to the the way the, the game is designed. It's like you could find it any old way. Any other side quests? Any other notable side quests for you? The Cave Mushrooms That Glow, Capture Tent, and Who Finds the Haven, which is a three-part quest where you find these two sisters, Nat and Megan, and they're looking for the mythical mushroom haven. Yes, I remember this one. And you find them at different spots in the, in the map. First time you see them, they're very offish. They don't trust you. They don't want to tell you what they're doing. And they're talking about it, around it, like kind of, and, and one of them is, no, don't don't tell him, or, you know, we don't know this guy, what are you doing? You know, one of the sisters is a little less stranger danger. Mm-hmm. But they both are obsessed with this uh, mythical mushroom haven. So that's the first time you see them, uh, you do some sort of quest for them in a, in, a, in a cave, you don't find the haven, that's not where it is. Then you see them again, their tent was captured by monsters in in a cave. Again, one of those conversations, I had already cleared that when I found them. Yeah. So they're like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, you know, and Link does his little pantomime like, yeah, I cleared that shit, you know. And then you find them again in front of a different cave somewhere. And that's the who finds the haven part where you find a mushroom haven. And it's a stunning little room Mm. with minerals that glow and tons of different mushrooms uh, from the game. So it's not just like beautiful, but it's also functional because there's tons yeah, yeah, yeah. of little mushrooms you need for various things. And, and you feel like a fun guy when you, when you tell these sisters that, uh, that you found it. But unfortunately, they're a little pissed off that you found it before they did, which is a classic uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Tears of the Kingdom thing, where the people are like, you, you, what? You found they're Like, this is my life's work. <laughs> and you feel kind of bad. This person's been looking for something for 35 years. And you're like... I just took five minutes out of my game to, to find this shit. <laughs> <laughs> then the secret room in the Deku tree was one I really enjoyed. Ooh, yeah. Because partially of the way I found it, I don't know if you found it the same way. Again, this is about the way Tears of the Kingdom is a game that constantly has a conversation with Breath of the Wild. There's yeah. a constant echo of what was in that game. And here it's just a little bit different. So you're rewarded mm-hmm. for remembering aspects of Breath of the Wild. For instance, in this particular case, I remembered that at the top of the Deku tree there was a mission in Breath of the Wild. But, of course, this being Tears of the Kingdom and having access to Ascend, the outstanding new ability that we'll talk about in depth later, I was like, hey, F that. I don't need to climb this tree, which is a pain in the ass. I'm gonna go inside the tree and I'm gonna press Ascend to go to the top. And, of course, the devs are like, Yeah, you are. And guess what? In the middle of the tree, there's a secret room. Yeah. With a little dude, a little Korok seed who wants to decorate it. And it's a lovely little quest. And it was a complete, uh, oh, this is so lovely. You know, I was not expecting it at all. I was expecting it at the top, where there's another quest, by the way. Yeah. Similar to Breath of the Wild. Again, Echo again. But yeah, you're rewarded for for doing little things like that. And it's completely untelegraphed. It was just a little player discovery. It was delightful. Yeah. Misco's treasure caves. Of course, that's a whole quest line. Some of them are really kind of cool. I love the way it's designed that if you are in a Misco cave, there's these little. Uh, it's like, flag, flag, like flags, like yeah, Texas flags. Kind of all things. Yeah. So you're like, oh, this is a Misco cave. So there's like on top of the cave, which generally has some <laughs> sort of puzzle or something yeah. to do in, in any of the caves. This one has another thing. like It has the Misco treasure, which is usually well-hidden. Some of them are pretty well-hidden. Really well-hidden. Yeah, yeah, really well-hidden. But, you know, of course, you know you have to find it, so that's um, a big help, and it's really well-designed. Never, it never feels tacked on. Killing the three Hinoxes in the Valon region uh, was really mm. fun. Again, echoing uh, something yeah, you do in a, uh, the Yeah, there's a three, a three
0: brothers Hinox quest in uh, Breath of the Wild,
1: yeah. Quite a lot of fun, because all the caves they're in are particularly like uh, scrumptious to go through. I don't know. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The Orbs Quest in Gerudo is actually one of the best uh, because that one is just as, as... It's involved enough to be a side adventure. I think the reason why they didn't call it that is because the reward is just like lore, essentially. Yeah. So I guess if they had done it as a side adventure, people who were like... Would have been maybe more disappointed. Maybe. I, I wasn't. I thought it was yeah, delightful it was to do because it was, again... The fun was in doing the quest, which is extremely involved. It has you finding all the orbs. There's a hint given to you by the uh, lovely Patricia, mm. who is a morse sea, uh, forget what they're called in the game, but like walrus creatures. And one of those is its coordinates. And if you don't have that, there's no way to find yes. it. It's like in a little like on a roof uh, in a pile of sand. Anyway, it's it's a delightful quest just to play. You know, and then the reward is you get to find out who the eighth warrior was yeah. and does this lovely little room that just has all of the Gerudo shields and weapons and yeah. it's, it's just, just delightful. Compl- it's just nice yeah. and it's just fun. Hot and Cold Endurance Contest. Oh, they were fun. fun.
0: They were fun. <laughs> Very I mean, silly. so silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah really, really silly.
1: <laughs> really silly.
0: They just see you standing on either a, a burning hot or a freezing cold platform, uh, yeah. and you just have to outlast another guy doing it. But the other guy doesn't have heat-resistant no. and cold-resistant potions flowing through his no. veins. So it's just really funny just to stand there for... <laughs> I mean, it, it's about what 10 minutes
1: no it's a little less than that it feels it feels long because you're not doing anything it's yeah four You
0: just standing there just watching him but it was funny it was, it really was funny. very funny
1: yeah it kind of reminded me of japanese manga thing like the early dragon ball which were very mm. forward they seem to find a lot of funny stuff in japan is like someone who's a, a complete blowhard mm. and and a pompous ass who's like defies you to do something it turns out they're completely inept yeah you know and it's one of those where the guy's like doesn't have a chance in hell it's hysterical i don't know i liked it a lot
0: so moving on to side adventures some of the uh some of the more sort of in-depth uh story-based quests there are some wonderful things there are some there are just some wonderful things so there's there's some great sets of Mm -hmm. side adventures as well where there's you know several in in a in a set I'll start by talking about, well, similar to what we were talking about with the photography and the figurines, is there is, a, there is an even more literal evolution of that concept in a, in a side adventure with Kilton of the brothers Kilton and Colton, uh, <laughs> taken, taken up shop in, uh, in Tarrytown. He's got a platform in Tarrytown where he wants to display some statues of some monsters and he basically then says, right, I don't know what it looks like, so go and photograph it. Mm-hmm. And you have to go and find one of the monsters in the wild photograph it and bring it back and then he'll make a almost to scale replica depending on the size of the monster (laughs) monster full 3d figure that you can then move around and place on this massive diorama there's five of those you start with obviously doing like a bokoblin and you end up with like a, a whole fucking gliok. and then once you finish that you can keep going and you can photograph any monster, including yeah. the bosses,
1: yes. and he'll
0: make yep. a statue of it, and it just becomes the most absurd, cluttered
1: things. <laughs> I believe, including Ganon or at oh, least really? Phantom Ganon. Yeah, I, I saw some uh, on Reddit. that had a Phantom Ganon in the village. That's brilliant. Like, I think there's there was a missed opportunity for a quest where the villagers rebel and then decided to tar and feather Kilton <laughs> driving out town. Yeah, I mean of town. that's that's almost certainly what's going to happen. The real estate just takes a giant, giant hit I believe it's kind of like that, that giant eyeball in Vegas right now where I'm like oh, yeah. if you live next to that you, you should sue because yeah. your life yeah, yeah, is yeah. just now ruined.
0: <laughs> I love just how integrated it is because there is a constant dialogue with him and Hudson being like you really yeah. can't be doing this, this is really mm-hmm. bad and people just being like oh I don't like it and it's just it's just really good. And it's obviously, it's just really fun going and finding the monsters. And then the fact that it can continue afterwards to sort of your own, however, your own desire, whether or not you want to get like a lineup of all the Lynels, you can do that. It's just staggering. There's another, there's another sort of set of, of side adventures that I really loved. And part of the love of, of these quests came out of my recent playthrough of of Breath of the Wild. And that is because all of these quests are set in the Tyflo ruins, which are north of the, um, Korok Forest. And when I was going around these, these fantastic ruined statues and like columns and pillars and everything in tears of the kingdom and there's a whole set of side adventures where you're solving riddles to try and sort of do certain you've got to find a solve a riddle, find a certain spot, put a, yeah. some sort of weapon with a certain element to unlock a thing. And that they're really really fun. And I was just really enjoying just like going around these uh, these ruins and there's lots of construct enemies around. And I was like, I don't remember this area from Breath of the Wild. (laughs) And there's a reason why I don't remember it. Because it's entirely in darkness in Breath of the Wild. Yes, yes. You go in there to do one thing. There's like a Hinox in there.
1: And that's it. And you can't really light it up properly, even if you tried.
0: Nope. I don't know how much of... What you see in Tears of the Kingdom is actually what's in the darkness of Breath of the Wild. But it's such a fantastic area. It's so interesting and it's just really, really great and it's really great to explore. Yeah, it's brilliant. It is. Another of the side adventures that I really enjoyed, and again, it's something that's tied into how the world of Hyrule was sort of evolved is how you unlock the Great Fairy fountains in this game. Mm -hmm. The giant flower buds are in different places anyway, so you've got got to go and find them, Uh, instead of just paying them an extortionate amount of rupees that you have to do in Breath of the Wild to unlock them. Although having said that, once you do pay to unlock them, you don't have to pay to upgrade your your armour with rupees.
1: So what you're saying is, it's the difference between a game you buy on your phone full out and a free-to-play game. (laughs)
0: It's exactly that.
1: It's exactly that. So you're yeah. actually saying that it's a little bit of a scam in, in Tears of the Kingdom. In Tears
0: of the Kingdom. Genuinely, it was much more fun to upgrade my, my, the armor in Breath of the Wild than it was in Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Although, I will say that I, I find it much easier to uh, get money in Tears of the Kingdom than in Breath of the Wild.
0: The way you unlock them in, in Tears of the Kingdom is great because what you have to do is uh, you have to help a traveling band of musicians get to each of the flower buds because the fairies want to hear some music before they awaken and reopen their flower buds to you (laughs) uh, in exchange for money. Mm. And the way these work are great. So you go to the nearest stable to a flower bud, uh, to a great fairy flower bud, there'll be the conductor or somebody from the from the band and they'll be like, oh, we need a, a flautist or oh, we need a, a horn player or whatever. And there'll be a little quest to go and find the missing musician who's sort of, you know, the band's broken up, Yoko Ono's come in or something, I don't know. Uh, and you've <laughs> I was going to <laughs> make that reference. <laughs> and you've got to go, uh, go and find the missing musician and convince them to uh, to sort of rejoin the band. And then once you've done that, you then have to construct some way of getting the band members to the flower buds because they've got mm-hmm. this rickety broken down like wagon and you need to go and find some wheels and then like, get a horse maybe and like glue it to the, the wagon and or like get them in a boat and get them across a river to get them to the fairy fountain. And it's just like, I mean, not only is it really, really fun mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a lot of very different puzzle solving, but also like, and this, this might be me just reading more into it than, you know, than there is, but like, in Breath of the Wild, the only music you really heard was Cass playing his accordion in the middle of nowhere and it was devastatingly lonely. (laughs) Whereas this, you get a sense that like art and culture is coming back into the world. You've got this like traveling band of musicians and there's like there was something really hopeful about that that I just loved.
1: I think it's by design, and it is a great analogy for like, yeah, the difference between Breath of the Wild is you have a lonely accordion player
0: mm, singing these
1: laments, and Tears of Kingdom has this band that wants to be together again and wants to rebuild, and they want to
0: and tour around the world. They want
1: to tour, and they want to play yeah. for everybody. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's really a huge. That's it's a really good analogy for how both games are different. It's lovely. One is a lonely you know, desolate, melancholic experience. And the other one's Mm. a much more joyful, hopeful game. And I have to say, uh, this makes me want to... I think every game should have a get the band back together uh, (laughs) side quest
0: (laughs) It's also what the structure of Link's Awakening is, essentially. You are 100 percent correct. I guess I guess. You're Nintendo putting putting the was... one man band back together and then you put Dick Van Dyke up in front of the Windfish's egg. <laughs> 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 I might be remembering that wrong, but uh
1: <laughs> No, I think that's correct. <laughs> but
0: um speaking of speaking of Cass, who unfortunately is not in this game
1: yet. Hashtag justice for Cass. He's
0: got he's gotta be the narrator of the DLC like he was in Breath of the Wild. He's too brilliant. Mm-hmm. Sort of in his place is a, a new winged traveler storyteller, which is Pen who is working for the newspaper, and he's a like a roving reporter, specifically following up on the puppet Zelda sightings that we, we mentioned in the last episode. In every stable, he's there following up on, on some hot lead because somebody's reported some Zelda sighting that's going on, and he wants you to, to help investigate it. And that's its own separate set of mm. side adventures, and they're great. Again, it's a sign that there's this sort of... Normality coming back to this world there's a newspaper now you know there's reporters there's uh, you know there's people wanting to know what's going on and spread the word and and all of that sort of stuff and it's it's really fun to sort of be a part of that and there's some really really good and clever quests within that as well like I really enjoyed I've really enjoyed the one where it was just like oh yeah there's a talking chicken and he's 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 telling like reading your fortunes or whatever it's so good okay so what what on earth <laughs> is this and you go up and, yeah, yeah it's a talking
1: chicken it is and and then it turns out it's a, a yiga it's a yiga yeah, it's, it's a yiga bastard and it's legitimately hilarious actually yeah. i think a lot of people who are lamenting the uh the way the narrative is in this game i've i've seen that uh i don't know what's wrong with people this is one quest that is just absolutely fantastic and i would say like if you are not a completionist and you're listening to this and you you know you've played the main quest uh and and, and you know you don't you haven't done everything I do highly recommend doing all the pen missions. Yeah. Cause you get a ton of really great little lore. I think the way it's structured is fantastic because that's part of the Zelda mystery yeah. quest in a way. Finding Zelda, which we talked a lot in the first episode. is this thing where you every single one of the of the quests that Penn gives you is something about Zelda either told someone to do something, yeah. and you're gonna find out. Was it the real Zelda who told them to do something? Was it a Yiga Zelda? Yeah. <laughs> or was it Puppet Zelda? But it is this wonderful thing where you're like constantly finding out more about Zelda's character. You know, like she's warm, she's giving, she genuinely mm. cares about people. She does she's not just a royal. She goes up and if someone has a problem, she she seems to genuinely try to find solutions to people's problems. And I think that's part of the rebuilding thing. Like you can imagine her going mm. around with Link during these seven years, going around the world and, and finding out, like, what do you need? You know, going to this region, and this this stable and figuring out, hey, this guy's got this problem. He can't figure out how to feed his goats or these guys don't, you know. And, and just she gives little advice and, and it speaks to her character. You know, it speaks yeah. to... Another reason why you're so desperate to find her and help her out, you know, because you you just find out these lovely little things, and when it turns out she's not a good person, it's because it was a Yiga Zelda, yeah, or a puppet Zelda or something, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The other side adventure I I thought was excellent, although I, I found it overwhelming when I first got to it, was the Hatino Mayor election.
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because it is not just one side quest; it is like a whole slew. Yeah of little side things that you have to do to unlock that election itself. Mm. And when I first got there, I was early in the game and I was like, this is incredible, but I'm getting overwhelmed. Like, I, I, I want to do this, but I really just want to keep exploring. Yeah, So I, I, did, I, think did, I, I, did. I did exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, if this is the amount of content in Hatino alone, we're, you know, wow. Like, I, we're going to be playing this game for 200 hours and it was more than that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... I thought it was, again, a cool way to get to, to talk to all the different fun NPCs in, yeah. in, in Hateno, see kind of their journey uh, from Breath of the Wild. And again, this uh, Hateno is one of the main places where you really see the way Hyrule has moved on from mm. the doom and gloom of Breath of the Wild. And it's really looking towards the future, uh, despite the new threat. It's looking towards rebuilding. It's looking towards... Hey, what's the future of this village? Is it known for growing vegetables, or is it known for its fashion? Yeah, and, and and of course it turns out it's both. So it's really about a world rediscovering the simple joys of just hey, there's no current threat. We're just trying to live and find passion, essentially, yeah. in our work. You know, which is a phenomenal little uh, message, I think. You know, it's this it's lovely. little little community that's rebuilding, and they're full of hope, and they you know all love being where they are and, and working and all that stuff. It's great. Mm. Legend of the Great Sky Island was a phenomenal yeah. side adventure. I think you told me to, I go, did. Look yeah. Yeah, to go look there because I had not even thought of it. It is a side adventure that you unlock by going at the top of the Temple of Time on the Great Sky Island. You talk to this friendly construct and he says, hey.
0: Did you ever play Pilot Wings? He says?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he says, hey, we're going to rejigger this entire island. It suddenly filled with little islands that have the waterfalls. And it completely changes how you go around the island because you essentially cannot land. You have to light three fires Mm -hmm. and you have to go around the island going up the waterfalls to constantly stay up in the air.
0: Yeah, your Zora armor allows you to sort of... If you fly into a waterfall, you immediately then just like go up it. And it also recharges your stamina wheel as well. It does.
1: And so it becomes this really fun... Arcady, like nights into dream kind of thing and you're like yeah, going yeah, yeah. around and, and and lighting up fires and it's it's a delight yeah i think he tells you lore of like how why the temple mm, of time was essentially right. built yeah. for you
0: and then you get a Zonai fabric i think
1: right because we saw in the, in the flashbacks that the temple used to be in the great plateau yeah and uh why is it in the sky and it's essentially he tells you because we knew that you were going to come and we knew that the uh, world was going to be destroyed uh, by Ganondorf, so we needed you to be safe up here. So that's how you, f- you find out, okay, so this whole island was built to be your safe space. Anyway, so it's a great quest. My only qualm with it is then you don't get to, uh, you don't get to play on that island with the uh, waterfall.
0: No, no, it would be a lovely thing if they, stu- if they stuck <laughs> yeah. around, because it's so much fun. It's so much fun to travel around like that. It really is.
1: It. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, messages from the ancient era? You talk to this archaeologist dude in Kakariko, and he says, hey, there's these remote star islands in the sky, and I would like for you to be able to tell me what's on those tablets with an engraving. I would like for you to find a way to report back what it says. Mm-hmm. And if it's in ancient Hyrulean, so you have to take a picture of it, and he, he decodes it. It's usually a, a little piece of lore. Some of it is inconsequential, mm-hmm. but some of it, again... Really fun little lore about yeah. Zelda in the past yeah. and what the the past was.
0: They're all really fun to get to. Yes. Like that's the puzzle is like, okay, mm-hmm. they're in the middle of nowhere. nowhere in the right. sky. You gotta find you gotta think about, okay, maybe if I launch off of there, maybe I can fly across. Do I need to build something? Do I need to get mm-hmm. over there? And then sometimes you get that incredible surprise where you land on one and it just starts plummeting to the earth.
1: <laughs> the first one I did that too. I was lucky, because there's some that just land on the earth. Mm. The first one I got was above the great Hyrule Forest, and it literally goes all the way into the depth. Amazing! Game, right by the Gleox den with the King Gleok, which is incredible, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like, oh my goodness. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing.
0: And it doesn't need to be there. Like, that, it didn't need to do that. And it's just amazing. It's a
1: phenomenal game design. Because it is yeah. like, look, this game is gigantic. Yeah. So they have to find ways to to redirect a player to various areas right to, to get like hey have you looked here you know but it's the there's the depth there's the sky there's the surface how do you do that you know and that's one of them is like you direct players to do something fun and then hey how about like we quickly remind you that there are depth in this game you probably forgot because you probably haven't been there in 50 hours if you're like me yeah yeah <laughs> so it's another great way of like hey look at yeah. this and it's done in a way that's it's always elegant You know, Mm -hmm. it's always part of the game. It's never like, hey, have you considered going back to the depth? Because we put a lot of time into this game. You should probably go back. No, it's like, hey, we're going to drag you in there and it's going to be a ton of fun. You know, it's it's amazing. It really is. A call from the depth. That was incredible. That was the the mission that you get from, you go to Great Plateau. Mm -hmm. And you go to the Temple of Time. And the big statue actually is not a goddess statue. It's this weird voice that tells you hey, can you release me? Mm. I, you have to find a way to drain the water in Great Plateau. Yeah. And there's this, this flooded area in the Great Plateau. And then you're like, hey, how do I, you know, there's gotta be a bombable thing. And it's like, it's on the walls. It's like mm. super fun to figure out. And then you bomb yeah. it, of course. And it's delightful, the water comes out. Yeah, And you find this little bargainer statue there who's like, thanks for freeing me, but I actually have a giant quest for you now. Yeah. Which is, there are four spots on the great plateau that have chasms that go into the depth mm. and right by every single one of them you're going to find an eye yes a stone eye and you have to bring this to me in the depth so you have to like take every single stone eye you have to find them they're usually a little hidden uh under a stone or something fun that you have to throw them in the in the depth plunge after it yeah and then usually uh, the game has like a fun little, uh, you know, either it's like rails or something by it, or like yeah. something you can build a vehicle or a plane or something that's already pre-built. And it's like, Hey, why don't you try bringing it this way? Well, you don't try, it? you know, and you, you don't have to do that. You could find other clever ways to bring the eye to the statue, which is a little further away every time, but it's every time it's a little puzzle of like, cause you have to it's bring brilliant. four of these eyes to this giant statue. And by the way, yeah. One of the most beautifully designed areas in the game. It's, it's absolutely stunning. Stunning, gigantic room with this bargainer statue that's under the, the Great Abandoned Central Mine. Uh, it's under it. It's gigantic. It's really like one of the most it's incredible absolutely epic places I've seen in a game. And so,
0: it's one of the best rewards for a quest as well. It's just an outright heart container. It's an outright heart container. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> It feels like it because it feels like you've done like four (laughs) shrines in doing those four chasms, finding the four eyes down the four chasms, the four different, totally different types of vehicular transportation you need to then make. It's 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 absolutely brilliant. And again, this is
1: once again like we're talking about optional stuff. Yeah, stuff you might never stumble upon. Yeah, you know, in in a gigantic game that you know some people will never do this. You know, and it's Mm. this huge, incredibly well you know designed thing it's just marvelous again thing that feeds into kind of constant conversation between the two areas it's it's fantastic
0: one of the other groups of side adventures there are which we sort of mentioned is the the bring peace to hyrule ones because there is a a small army of of willing fighters and soldiers that are circulating around hyrule trying to sort of defeat larger clans of enemies uh, that have occupied various strongholds and they're brilliant like you have to go and you know you're told where they are roughly you go and find them you see them sort of riding around like the riders of the the rehirim in lord of the rings mm-hmm. but you know with buckets and pot lids and soup <laughs> ladles uh, yeah and then yeah you'll see some sort of occupied station it might be you know like a fort on a hill or something else you know and together you go and take on these uh, these hordes of enemies and it's really really cool because like you sort of get like a boss health bar going across mm-hmm. the top of the screen but it's like that's the health bar of like the collective forces of that that yeah. s- settlement F- felt it, in many ways it reminded me a bit of Hyrule Warriors which i which i quite liked <laughs> and it's brilliant because yeah. like together you you charge into these fights you know and uh, and it's brilliant because you really feel i don't know like you feel like a weight of responsibility as this mm-hmm. sort of hero but also you do feel like you're the, you know, you're the number nine stepping up to take a penalty. There's a responsibility, but also a sense of like greatness that you sort of have. And you go, right, here we go. Let's absolutely do this. Again, it's a wonderful sense of storytelling and world building. And there's, um, there's a similar sort of uh, setup down in Luralin Village, which is this lovely little fishing village. And the entire village has been taken over by enemies, by goblins and moblins and everything. And again, it's got this setup where you basically have to take out all of the enemies with this one mm-hmm. giant health bar, and there's there's probably about I wouldn't be surprised if there were oh, sixty, seventy enemies.
1: Are there that
0: many? They were. There were so many because there's like <laughs> there's so many groups of them. Yes, all you're around right. the there's village, a, yes, out yes, in the water, like... on like the structures in the sea. Yes, yeah, yeah. But it's great because it's got this real sense of drastic sort of sense to it. It's really important. You really care about this village and these people. And the wonderful thing is when you do get through defeating all of the enemies and rescuing the town you then get to a whole series of side adventures of rebuilding the village yeah uh, which involves you like sourcing materials cutting down trees Mm -hmm. even like building like scaffolding
1: yeah using the right trees the the right shape of trees it's great
0: it's just it's genius it's i mean it's it's phenomenal it's it's totally it again it's unnecessary stuff and it's optional (laughs) stuff but it It's absolutely wonderful and it makes you really care about this village and these people even more than you did from just them being uh, a sympathetic sort of place.
1: Fantastic. Absolutely fantastically well done. It's again one of those places uh, and and the bring peace to Hyrule thing is is similar where you see that the the citizens of Hyrule are are a completely different attitude and they want to rebuild and they're not defeatist and they're like, you know, we're going to fight, we're going to rebuild. We're doing all of it. There's no desolate melancholy again. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a very different tone, you know, uh, from, from Breath of the Wild. And that's definitely one of those, you know. I think rebuilding is like the ultimate. We're not going to let things get to us, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, who doesn't love a rebuilding a town in an adventure game? It's great. It's phenomenal. It's always a joy. Yeah. I'll
0: tell you what my favorite side adventure
1: was. What was it?
0: That was Mattison. Oh, uh, yeah. The little daughter of Hudson. The builder, come politician in Tarrytown, who married uh, the Gerudo Taylor Ronson, and they've got now got this little daughter in Tarrytown, and she's looking to move to Gerudo Town, which is part of the Gerudo custom, and. It is such a beautiful little story. It's it's surprisingly emotional. There's some beautiful touches in there. It's brilliant world building as well because it's like reinforcing the, the customs and the traditions of like the, you know, the different tribes of Hyrule. There's not much gameplay wise to do apart from just like build a balloon and a platform and a thing and, and just talk to some people. But it's just the weight of it, the weight of the story of it is so so beautifully done it's so beautifully told again it's it's like it's a it's a story that doesn't necessarily change anything in the grand scheme of the the larger story at play but it does so much to make you care about this world to feel part of it to feel like you are an active part of this world not just watching this world but you are you're you're responsible for it you know and again it's got stuff where after the fact, after you get the tick mark in your in your pause menu, mm-hmm. there is more stuff to do. This entirely optional, you know. You can go and talk to them, and you know, and Ronson, you know, is saying like, oh, I wonder, I just, I'd, be, I'd love to just be able to see, I'd love to be able to see how yeah. my little daughter's getting on, and you can go go to Gerudo Town and take a picture of her, and you go and show it to them, and it's just like it's so beautifully done. Beautiful. I playing Breath of the Wild and stumbling across Ronson in the. Kara Kara Bazaar, and uh, just just chatting to her in that. It's like seven years previously, just saying like, "Oh, I really, I really wish there was somebody, somebody out there for me." She says it's her line in in Breath of the Wild, and I'm just like, I just love knowing the story that's to come for her. It's just like absolutely amazing. And you're responsible for
1: getting them together too, so you're actually responsible for that kid, yeah, inadvertently because (laughs) you made them meet. Yeah,
0: absolutely wonderful. How about you? What was your favorite of the of the side stuff? I
1: think it has to be for so many reasons the Yiga. Oh uh, yeah, because it goes literally goes mm. <laughs> all sorts of places. Yeah, there's a Yiga side adventure on the the surface, mm-hmm. and there's a gigantic side adventure in the depth mm. that ties into the main story. And on top of that, once again, it's one of those like. That was a fun aspect of Breath of the Wild, the Yiga mm. clan. but kind of got tired at points, like you, you got attacked yeah. all the time. And and it was only like the actual Yiga clan thing with the stealth option. That that was a fun side thing. But then the, yeah. the entire game, you just keep getting assaulted by these.
0: And the boss Koga is a bit of a joke because he's, he's this a like of a joke. Yeah. kind of silly, buffoonish, right. overweight, pot-bellied
1: guy. Which is actually in direct opposition to one of the other most moving Breath of the Wild yeah. uh, side quests where you yeah. have to help this this father of two kids who whose wife is, has been murdered by the Yuga yeah. clan for because he left the Yuga clan yeah. and they punished him by killing his wife and they're trying yeah. to punish him and you help him out. Yeah. And it's really a very moving, dark
0: story. It's absolutely devastating that because that daughter is walking around saying saying that our oh, mummy's playing hide and seek and I'll find her yeah. soon
1: and she talks about her in her sleep
0: that if, is, you, go, if is, you go at night oh
1: it's super
0: I mean fun I wasn't fun. a father when I first played that and I was no. when I played it this time and <laughs> my oh, oh no oh
1: god it's brutal
0: so you don't expect Dr. Robotnik to be at the bottom no. of it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Koga's a bit of a joke but then you look at you know if you think about the real world and you see people mm. who do irreparable <sighs> harm there's a lot of yeah. buffoons who do yeah. irreparable harm so in, in Breath of the Wild after you beat Koga, he falls seemingly to his death mm. in in a giant chasm, which is the first chasm you see, you know, in um, the games. And then I I forget if it's immediately, but the first time you go to the depth, you go up to an NPC and you're literally not expecting this. And you think it's part of the the excavation exploration thing. And they you talk to them and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm part of the uh, you know, the group that's uh looking at up the depth to see what's up with it. Oh, we're going to kill you link. You know, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. And it's a Yiga guy. And the first time I saw them, because I was so not expecting it. Yeah. I burst out laughing. Yeah. I was like dying. <laughs> I was, oh, this yeah. is so I good. did not they're... expect them to be no. back. I was like, they're in the depth. That's perfect. Yeah. And then it gets even more perfect. Once you realized, Okoga didn't die. Yeah. He built this entire army and infrastructure yeah. and, and Yiga, you know, side thing or organization. Yeah. In the depth, and there's the all these giant hideouts with all yeah. these these buffoons have, have figured out some yeah pretty creative Mad Max looking Zoni devices. yeah, yeah yeah. But, um, it's a delight. you're just going around yeah. every single one of those uh, hideouts have uh, schema, which unlocks yeah, yeah the, yeah uh, some other delightful Zoni thing that you can then auto build, which is yeah, auto build is of course part of the that's how you get auto build yeah, is part of that side adventure. Every one of these outposts has a little writing with a little lore that's usually mm, about yeah. the depth. And it's quite helpful, especially at first, because you don't know really how the depth works. Yeah. And they're like, you know, use this uh, Sundle lion or whatever to regain your, uh, you know, if you get hurt yeah. down here or, you know, by the gloom. All these things. Like, essentially, these guys have been here for seven years. Yeah. And they found out all these things about the, the depth and they write about it. And, and, and all these little notes and what they're doing down there, their ultimate plan, which is to help Ganondorf ruin the world, essentially. Koga's like this typical guy who realizes that he might be evil, but he's not yeah, yeah, the yeah. Demon King. So he's going to just like lick his boots. That's a whole side adventure in itself. Like, mm-hmm. You know, you have to find him several times and of course you unlock all these great abandoned mining areas. And it's a great way to make you go to the important places in the depth if you just yeah. do that side of the venture. Because even if you didn't want to explore it fully, you get to see so much and you get all the important stuff, I think. They yeah. give you probably some of the most important uh, schemas, actually, out of those. Yeah. So yeah, you do that. That's great. And then, it turns out, there's even more Yiga stuff on the surface. Yeah. Because you stumble upon This one side adventure where you have to, if you go back to the original uh, Yiga outpost Mm. on the surface from Breath of the Wild, they're like, you can't come in unless you're a Yiga. And then you figure out, there's this outfit I could get. yeah. And there's this guy they kidnapped who made a a Yiga outfit that's seemingly like the best. And so you find all these pieces, which in itself is great. Yeah. there's one in the old man, the old man's cabin from *Breath of the Wild*. Yes, there's these two yeah, guys yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> it's great. There's one in oh, in the the original cave from the Great Plateau. There's these guys there. And stuff. Yeah. So, so the Yiga is all over the place, and if you do infiltrate the Yiga outpost, first of all, it's hilarious. Every Yiga in there has like some really. Genuinely funny lines yeah, about various stuff. And they're, you know, like bananas, banana humor and zona humor. And it's great. And then if you go in there, there's a guy who's like, hey, you want to do a ultimate challenge here. Mm. If you beat this ultimate challenge, you will get our special
0: treasure or whatever prize. Or, yeah,
1: So you, you do that and it's a fun little like battle thing. You just have to kind of like use slow, slow motion arrowing a lot. And then, uh, then on top of that, you get one of the coolest things in the game
0: which is so totally unexpected i know
1: it's this ability that these bastards in breath of the wild the big Yiga guys with the wind cleavers have it's this like dragon Ball like thing where you like punch the earth and uh create some sort of earthquake air thing that hurts the enemies and you can use it in the game as link if you don't have any weapons on that's what that's what happens it's incredible Absolutely brilliant it's amazing Absolutely brilliant yeah. Then you also get the um, Thunder Resistant Helm from, the, uh, from Breath of Wild as well, which is a super useful uh, item to have in certain regions, of course. So, yeah, it's great. I mean, the rewards are fantastic, but, but all in all, it's just the world building. Mm. Like, the Giga Clan from Breath of Wild, I always thought they were a great idea. You know, and, and most of it was really well implemented. And we talked about it. Like there was these amazing story beats like this. Yeah. The guy getting his wife murdered by leaving the clan. And all this stuff is amazing. And genuinely kind of funny when you meet weird NPCs and they double down on that. Because in the original yeah. it was like, hey, this guy's like, looks like he's selling vegetables. Oh, no, he's not. He's a Yiga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this one, they literally have chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. chickens or tree. Yiga clan members. Or, or bananas. bananas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know if you've tried this, but if you attack the banana before hitting it, they're like, oh, no, he found out. Like, you know, there's a little dialogue. Like, if you don't try to fall for the trap, they're like, it's it's incredible. And it's so, again, meticulous. Yeah. It's all over the world. They just figure out how to make this, you know, interesting. They're all over the world. There's little things. And it's just so rewarding just to do them.
0: So there we go. That is our discussion on uh, the new Hyrule. The world, six, seven, eight years on. Side quests, side adventures, NPCs. We're two episodes in and we've barely scratched the surface. Literally. And we haven't even touched the sky in the depths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's going to be much, much more to come in, uh, in the future episodes. If you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying this, get in touch with us. Chat to us on social media at O3C Games on everything. Go to O3C.Games, sign up for our newsletter. Hit the join button to the Discord server. Come and chat with us there. Tell us what you're playing. If you're playing Tears of the Kingdom, tell us about that. There's a whole Zelda thread right there on the Discord for some great, great chat. You can chat to us individually. I'm on Twitter,
1: X, uh, at Jonathan Dunn. I'm on Twitter and threads at Casper Maryland.
0: There's a lot more discussion to come from us in this subseries of spoiler specials, so we do hope that you join us next time.
1: Yes, please do. Uh... <laughs>